Hey guys, Montel here, and welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. You know, in recent years, the oversupply of CBD extracted from the U.S. grown hemp caused the price of CBD to plummet, and some CBD producers began to experiment. The result was the emergence of a chemical that's called Delta-8 products being widely marketed and sold across the country with no regulatory oversight and limited laboratory testing. Most products sold as Delta-8 THC typically contain a high percentage of Delta-8 THC and small amounts of other cannabinoids, including Delta-9 THC. And the reaction by and reaction byproducts, and uh, meaning reaction to the process of actually creating CBD-8 or THC-8, it produces some byproducts. And some of those cannabinoids are not naturally found in the cannabis plant. In most cases, nothing is known about the health effects of these impurities. My guest today is what you should call and what I call the hemp OG. He's here to discuss the potential pitfalls of Delta-8 products on the industry, and he has been involved in the hemp industry since the early 1990s, folks, globally. And in 1994, he became the first person in modern times permitted to legally grow a hemp crop in the United States. That was way before the Farm Bill. And at the USDA Research Center in Brawley, California. In 2014, he established a large sustainable hemp farm in California to support his educational, commercial, and advocacy activities. And now, today, he's the CEO of Farmtiva Inc., which breeds and sells CBD fiber and grain seeds. And he's also the co-founder of Juicetiva Hemp CBDA Powder. Chris Brashore, thank you so much, sir, for being a part of the show today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Montel. Always good to see you, man. And I just said your last name was pronounced for me. Make sure I got it right. Boucher. Boucher, like uh, Bobby Boucher yeah. from The Waterboy. Yeah. I said Boucher, but Boucher, you're absolutely right. Sir, my my brother's you. name is Bobby Boucher. So Is it really? Yeah, That's wild. Right. Well, thank you so much for being here, sir. I'm going to make sure I make a complete 100% disclosure right here to all of our viewers. I have been using your Justiva products now for since your first appearance on the show about a week after that. Um, so it's been about four easily 60 days. And I got to tell you, it is a go-to product for me on a daily basis. I would suggest anybody who has been utilizing CBD to switch over to your product. So let's just jump right off from the top and tell them where can they get Juicetiva? Juicetiva.com. J-U-I-C-E-T-I-V-A, like sativa, but Juicetiva. Um, just, or go to farmtiva.com, but either website, we're doing a blowout sale right now. You put the Montel in there, your code, and it's like 50% off. So we oh my just want to try it and use it. People need to get to it. I'm telling you, I, you know, I, I have a little trepidation sometimes when people introduce products to me and they give me something or, you know, I go out and buy something. I'll use it for a couple of days. Sometimes I feel like it takes me four or five days to get beyond the placebo effect, placebo effect to really understand what it is I'm feeling. And I will tell you that, you know, after about seven days of usage, I started to notice some things that were really different in, in my overall sense of well-being. So um, I think uh, it will be, we'll be able to explain to people why uh, CBDA is so much better than CBD by itself. But um, you got me hooked. I'm sold. So, you know, and thank you so much for offering up our, our listeners 
and viewers an opportunity to get a little discount. Well, that's awesome. You know, we've been since day one, 30, the last 30 years, we've just been trying to change the world and change the way people think about hemp and cannabis and uh, well-being and just producing something that uh, makes people feel good and uh, helps the environment. So that's uh, our core attitude. Absolutely. And, you know, we were talking before we started taping about the fact that well, people don't have to, have to start to understand. We heard, we've heard the term thrown around a lot, superfood. They throw it around for everything from mushrooms to, you know, spinach to you name it. But I got to tell you, I really think that the cannabis plant with THC or without is a superfood. And so for you to be yeah. able to produce a product like this, which doesn't have THC in it, but has all the other monocannabinoids in it and has, uh, is, is this bioavailable? That's, that's pretty phenomenal, my friend. It is, and we 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 have to start getting uh, around the idea that that cannabinoids are not just medicine; they're nutrients. Absolutely. And so these cannabinoids affect your gut, and the entire health industry now is is leaning towards this whole movement. If your gut isn't healthy, your brain isn't healthy. So you have this gut to brain health, and and, and guess what receptors in your stomach that produces eighty percent of your serotonin. Is produced in your stomach, your uh, 5-HT1 receptor, and that's where the CBDA actually goes to. And we, you know, we can talk about the other cannabinoids, what they do in the stomach. And the most important thing is the oils. A lot of the cannabinoids are in oils and lipids and waxes, and so they're not that digestible. Where when you have a raw juice or a freeze-dried powder that's water-soluble, it's completely bioavailable. And the uptake and the absorption of the nutrients and the cannabinoids is like a hundred X over oils. So, I mean, that's a whole nother subject, but um, that's where we're kind of really leaning towards this gut to brain health and looking at the cannabinoids and CBDA as nutrients, not as a drug or a medicine. Absolutely. And I think most people need to just, just lock on to what you were saying. The fact that you put it in a powder form, not an oil form makes it, a hundred times more bioavailable? It's about 18 times more bioavailable okay. than an oil. So if you're comparing it to an isolate, maybe a hundred times more than an isolate. Um, if it's a water-soluble based oil, if it's a liposomal, you know, there's different kinds of now CBD products that are trying to become more water-soluble. And, uh, you know, they get it. They're like, we want our, if, we want our uh, product to be you know, have more efficacy, meaning more bioavailability. Because if your yeah. body doesn't absorb it, what good is it? You know, it's like right. when you take a vitamin C pill, you get what, 15% or 12% of the vitamin C in it. And, um, and, and again, back to the vitamin C pill, like I call it, like some of these isolates, it's like calling a vitamin C pill an orange. When you call an isolate or a CBD molecule, oh, it's hemp. It's an isolated molecule, 99.9% you know, where is the other, you know, uh, plant matter in there? It's not there. So um, this is evolving as we speak, the whole market and the way we look at it, when we talk about it, like you said, with the D8, the D9, the THC, and how this whole thing is evolving into, uh, I call it the hemp wars. <laughs> yeah, almost. You really, you really are nailing it because the truth is that, you know, when you're taking a look at, at hemp-based CBD, well, first off, you get most of the CBD from CBDA from the leaves of the plant, correct? The leaves and the flower. So there's 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 so many different 
stages of the plant's life. When you grow, you know, hemp, cannabis sativa, um, it's all the same. It goes through, you know, a, a 60 to a 90 day process up into a 120 day process. And as it's growing, it has more water content, it's more moist, it has more, you know, uh, certain cannabinoids in the beginning, and they all kind of convert to last 45 days of the plant's life. It hardens off, it loses its water, and it starts producing, you know, more resinous uh, cannabinoids where we, we, we try to capture them before the, the, the uh, molecules change over. So where it's the highest point of CBDA um, or CBGA, and um, plus the water is, you know, higher content within the plant and the flower and the uh, leaves are much more um, water soluble. And so people understand you were just talking about CBG. You know, for those that are listening, tuning in, don't have a lot of um, uh, cannabis knowledge. You know, we think that there's probably it could be as many as 400, 500 cannabinoids. We don't know. I mean, I think you listen to science in the United States, they say 60 to 100. Listen to people in Canada, they say 400 to 600. Yeah. I don't know. But those cannabinoids are all component parts of that same plant. And they all, you know, as we do more research, we're going to find out that more and more of them together in combination or single, they literally have different effects. Yes, yes. And, and, and the more research is done, the more we know. Um, we, we've had so many different companies do their own independent research and, um, you know, even looking at the flavonoids and the omega fatty acids that are in there, um, the amino acids, uh, vitamin C, vitamin D, B1, B12, B6, I could go magnesium, iron. I mean, come on, this is the superfood of superfoods, but it really is. We just got to get into all the supermarkets and get it uh, into the... Uh, you know, the 7-Elevens and yeah, get it, get it mainstream because people and get people to understand that they don't have to fear it. Let's talk a little bit about, let's go ahead and talk about this war that's, that's ravaging across the nation. Um, especially in the industry, because I've been, I, I'm telling you two, three years ago, when four years ago, when THC eight first was not first, THC was first. I wish to make sure people understand THC eight is a naturally occurring cannabinoid within the sativa cannabis plant, though it appears or occurs at very, very finite amounts, like right down to one point, I mean, 0.11, 1.1 or 1.5%, right? Yes. Know? Yeah. Depending on what genetics, you know, there's certain right. genetics now that um, you get at genetics that are uh, 15% THCA and they're like 0.2% uh, Delta 9. And right. they're selling it as hemp because um, um, in certain states, they only test for Delta 9. But, yeah, there's a huge um, issue going on in that in that particular space. Right. So, therefore, since THC-8 is a naturally occurring cannabinoid, but we found out that because of the overproduction of hemp and we were, we were producing so much hemp that it became bumper and there's just so much product that people weren't able to move it, some industrious individuals, I'll call them that way, looked at CBD and thought, hmm, there is a way to chemically push this into Delta-8. Is that not how this whole Delta-8 thing really took off? Exactly, Montel. There was just such an oversupply 
um, of uh, so the laboratories. We have to realize it's the laboratories that control the entire industry because they're the ones that are making CBD. They're making D8, THC. They're buying it for pennies from the farmers. That's why the price plummeted. So they were able to use, a little, I'd say, old lab technology, certain chemicals and acids that you can uh, take a CBD isolate, which is 99.9% .9 CBD. It's no longer a hemp. It's just a, it's a pharmaceutical molecule. Right. And you pour some acids and different chemicals in there, and you spin it around. And, you, and if you know what you're doing, uh, you can make a Delta-8, which gets you high. And so and I call it the get-high molecules. I'm sorry, when you say it would get you high, because most people understand that Delta 9 is the one that is primarily what we've heard of for years now, and that's the THC that they test for, that the euphoria comes from. Some say the euphoria is not equivalent to Delta 9. Some say that it's stranger than Delta 9. Some say that they've even had effects that have been more euphoric than Delta 9. Where, where do you find following that spectrum? You know, I try to put it in simple terms. The D8 is like a Michelob light or a Bud Light, and THC is like a uh, IPA, Sierra Nevada, or you know, one you know, one has one percent alcohol and the other one has nine percent. So when you do Delta Eight, and I've tried it, and many people have, and yeah, it's it's a weird buzz. But the word buzz, people people love to get high or feel euphoric, no matter what it is. I've been doing this since the dawn of man. That's the reason why we have alcohol, wine. I remember people need to remember every time, every place that Jesus went, you know, somebody broke wine out. Yeah. But if I even turn water into wine, right? So a, oh, that's so, another story. We won't go down that road yet. We won't go down that road. But I mean, you know, the, 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 the I'm only pointing to the fact that euphoria has been part of societies since the dawn of man. Yes, and if you can sell that euphoria in a D8, and you can sell it legally through a loophole in the law without any regulation, without any testing in a gas station, a head shop, I mean, they sell it all over the internet. I mean, you go on there now and you look up hemp and everything's D8. And I believe, and again, I'm all about, hey, if it's legal, you can do it no matter what. You, you need to change the law. However, it's misrepresenting the word hemp, because how can you take a molecule and call it hemp? And I believe the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, is uh, truth in labeling and product. And they kind of did it in the bamboo industry years back. But um, I, I believe they're starting to look at, well, they're calling this product hemp. And that, that's underneath the uh, FTC. It's not legal to call something if it, unless it's 50% um, uh, contents of that product. And um, from being in the hemp textile industry for 25 years, importing hemp textiles, we had to deal with the, um, you know, federal government every time we brought a, you know, a container of hemp fabric in. And, and when we, we registered with the federal government, we could only call it hemp fabric if it had more than 51% hemp content. And the rest could be, you know, 58%, you know, uh, polyester or cotton. So knowing that, um, I've heard some rumors that they're going to start looking at that. Why, why are you calling this hemp? And it's, there's no hemp in it, you know? So Right. And then when, when, you take a, we, but when we take a look at when the people who are these industrious lab rats who are formulating <laughs> these concoctions to see if they can push CBD to Delta 8, 
they also get a little Delta nine at the same time. Do they not? Yes. Yeah, so basically CBD is a precursor. So before you get to D eight and you, before you get to De Delta nine, it's always starts out as, you know, CBG, then CBD. So they can tweak it to D eight. They can tweak it to D nine THC. And I mean, they're getting for the Delta eight, they're getting, I think six or 7,000 a kilo for this stuff. Um, for Delta nine chemically made, you know, THC from hemp, they're getting, I think, 12 or 15,000. I could be mistaken because the prices change every day. So the entire market is just eating this stuff up. And the, the traditional CBD that's been sitting in warehouses for years is now getting gobbled up into the laboratories to create these get high molecules. And you can look at what CV Sciences, you can look at, you know, Bluebird, you can look at all these uh, uh, WebMD, CBD, um, they're all going uh, D8 and uh, Delta 9 hemp derived THC. I don't think they're all going D8, but a lot of them are going after the Delta 9 THC also, which is Delta chemically 9, made. Delta 9 has been created from a different cannabinoid. Chemically created from CBD. So, I mean, can we really even call that Delta 9? Is it, is it molecularly the same? It can't be. It's yeah, so be if you if you laid it out, it's called a molecular weight. So if you laid it out on a graph, the, the molecule that you're spinning in the VAP rotors to make it would, um, the finished product would be a Delta 8 molecule with nothing else in it. But it came from, it was chemically made from CBD isolate. You know, again, they pour a different set of chemicals to... Uh, um, convert the CBD into hemp THC. Yes, and so just so people know that these aren't chemicals that have been, you know, certified by anybody as being safe. A, B, we don't though Delta Nine products sold at legitimate pharmacies or dispensaries and and cannabis outlets do go through in most states some form of testing. Not all. But we don't know and have not really looked at COAs or uh, certificates of analysis on Delta A products. So we don't know what some of that residual stuff is that's left over after the process and don't know how harmful that would be. Why hasn't the DEA or the FDA stepped in and said, hold on a second, anything that's been chemically pushed from one product to another is illegal? So that's a good question. And they did do that. And there was a landmark case that went to the Ninth Court of Appeals not too long ago, I think about six or eight months ago, and it had to do with Kentucky. They said D8 is illegal. Um, you can't make it. It's an intoxicant. And um, bottom line in the farm bill, it specifically says all derivatives and isomers of hemp. So when you read the law, the law kind of says it's legal, even though we don't like it in terms of it's intoxicant. Anyone can buy it at any gas station. But what I'm seeing is, is the whole cannabis industry, especially in California, Colorado, they've teamed up with law enforcement and politicians to try to snuff this out because it's really affecting their sales. When you can, like you said, you know, you have a legitimate uh, cannabis business and you've gone through all these regulations. You've paid millions of dollars in fees or whatever. And the gas station across the street is selling a, a Delta 8 or a THC and uh, hemp derived intoxicant. 
and you know you lose sales and it's like you know like say having a liquor store and the guy across the street selling his own you know handmade beer and handmade you know alcohol <laughs> that would never fly in, in in the face of the law but i think it's enforcement you know they they just haven't had the budget maybe um so there's a lot of questions there why aren't they doing anything about it but they are with the new laws they're actually you know uh, again that's another subject we can go down they're passing laws in every state to limit the quality of hemp cbd because of d8 and because of uh, hemp thc well i mean I, that's scary because at the end of the day this is really how do you think it's going to affect the impact the entire industry because oh. I, I, I literally again i'm just going off of anecdotal stories that i've heard and seen and heard people say directly to me that you know they they had a really bad experience with delta 8 about a week ago or yeah i tried some delta 8 somebody gave me and it was really bad i was thought it was terrible i've had people say that to me you know like over and over and over again and it's going to take it's going to require some sort of you know over uh, some over control or somebody's going to have to step in and say that maybe this isn't the smartest thing we as an industry should have been doing maybe the industry should have said this Yes, and I, I think the industry is kind of skewed because there's so many publicly traded companies and big corporations that are they're all, they're in it for their shareholder value. They need the revenue, and if they can sell this stuff and it's legal, they're going to sell it. They, you know, most people don't really have an efficacy in their corporate bylaws. Like this is who we are. This is our motive, you know. And so when you're selling this chemical derived product and i'm i'm not going to name names but you know i i've seen these companies and i said man this this violates your whole terms of who you are and your efficacy of providing a hemp product that's going to help people you know you're you're selling an intoxicant yeah in d8 people uh, um definitely it's it's a different kind of high and some people get sick on it um and there's so many smaller labs that are making it and and I'll also go back to the labs. You're, there you're, are you're, you're being generous. You're being generous when you say smaller labs. They're yeah. people put it in their garages and their basements. But go ahead. Yeah, some labs won't touch it. And there's actually a couple of good articles that they've had a few of the bigger labs um, uh, analyze D8 and and really explain how it's made and how bad it is in terms of the chemicals and if it's not made right. You know, um, all these issues that you would think wait a sec, this is not regulated and people are consuming this and it just kind of brings down the whole industry. You know, now we're having this huge split in the hemp industry. It's like the fiber and CBD wars. If you're not into hemp fiber, and you know, you're into CBD and, you know, everyone's just lost in the woods. And, right. and I'm trying to bring people together and say, look, you know, just erase everything that you, you think you know. And, and look at where the successful business models are, like in Europe, where they're growing fiber and CBD on the same plant. They're using dual crops and tri crops. And, and, and so uh, here in the United States, the CBD and the D8 has gotten such a bad name. It's really created this divide, I, I would think. And so um, that's concerning to look at the future and going, wait a sec, we're not going to have dual crops uh, like the Europeans. And you know they're ahead but of the game. Because I've been I've been in a few dispensaries where they have Delta Eight products in the dispensary, sitting relatively close to 
2009 products. Yeah. And it's like, well, why would you do this to yourself? I, I, I just think this is an opportunity for the industry to let the DEA just pounce down on our heads. They will. I mean, they they definitely, I think, once they're enforcement and once they get a, a legal notification, they've already classified it as they've put it into category that makes it illegal. But again, um, you know, it's interesting how um, that and that's isn't, isn't that isn't that a follow up to a law that was was passed? I don't know, what twenty years ago, when we I remember when when uh, all over the East Coast, especially in New York and up and down, a lot of the bodegas were selling this crap called spice, spice which yeah. is a chemically a chemically altered bag of oregano, basically. Yes, and so the and the labs and the people that were making it, they were just they were just tweaking the molecule by one molecule, and every time they would tweak it by one molecule, they would be ahead of the DEA, and the DEA would have to like um, it, literally they had ten different laws for for ten different kinds of synthetic THC, which was public knowledge from you know um, um, you know Israel when. Uh, Dr. Mishulam, you know, he published quite a bit of synthetic CBD monologues and, um, and, um, you know, they were, people had access to them. And, and like I said, you could just change the molecule once and it's, it's not illegal, you know? And so, um, this is going to be an interesting one because like I said, I, I think it's that particular language in the farm bill that they're trying to change now and they will change it. But at the same time, you know, there's just, you know, you have the FDA coming out with false information. And um, again, you Let's talk a little bit about that because that, that was interesting. Because in order to change the law, the FDA is using information that's really just a scare tactic, right? Yes. I mean, uh, recently they just were up on Capitol Hill and they were telling the senators that, hey, CBD is harmful. We, um, we tested it on monkeys. They tested it on these uh, Reese's monkeys, and they gave them like twenty or thirty thousand milligrams doses, and it it killed them. And so they're going look at it, damage their liver, and it's the same mentality. I don't know if you you remember this is your brain on drugs, and it showed the yeah. monkeys smoking, um, you know, cannabis with the mask on. Well, right. they were suffocated and murdered, and their brainwave just went dead, and they used the brainwave. And eventually that became illegal. They were sued, say this is false information. You know, you killed these monkeys with, with pot smoke uh, in a gas mask. That's not, you know, true to what you're saying because, you know, um, I mean, there, there's some truth in advertisement. Sure, sure, sure. And they're yeah, doing the same thing here. And for some reason, we don't know why they're using these studies from 1980s, like I said, and um, overdosing. Um, I mean, if you drink too much water, you could kill somebody. Correct. Correct. Um, I don't think there's ever been, you know, from just normal, when I say normal, because it was just even heavy consumption of cannabis. I don't think there's been a death from the cannabis itself, right? That, I, I mean, there's nothing been that we death, know of. I one mean, death, I guess, they registered in California that had something to do with um, a mold that was on the cannabis, but it wasn't the cannabis that did it, it was the mold. And it was the mold that hurt this individual because the person already had a pre uh, a precondition that made them more susceptible to mold poisoning. So that's the only one that I've ever heard of. That was maybe four or five years ago. But it's gotten crazy where, you know, I've been also in conversations with people who defend C THC-8 
like it's their right. And I'm like, well, slow down. It's not your right to, to take, you know, under the counter chemicals and smash them around in a rotovap and then pour it out and say, oh, I've created something that's really not harmful. We don't even know because they're not testing it. Yeah, but, you know, at the end of the day, if it gets you high and you can make money, and that's kind of this this primitive attitude we're seeing. And like I said, I'm so surprised these huge companies are doing this and they've they've just gone out and left field. And again, it's, you know, money changes people. And, you know, um, you know, as the industry is imploding, you know, how, how do we make more money? We'll, we'll sell rat poison to the kids if we can do it for, you know, with legally. I mean, it's, it's, it's just ironic. And, you know, um, um, as this thing moves forward, what's, what's going to be the next chemical they come out with? Cause now there's D10, D8, yes, and that, and, D9, and, THCO. And THCO is a definite non-naturally occurring cannabinoid, right? Yes. That's yes. something that somebody's just pushed to, to cause a euphoria. And we don't have any idea what that's doing to the endocannabinoid system. Don't know what receptors are picking that up. Don't know how that's actually operating or functioning in the body. Yeah, it's just it's mimicking cannabinoids in a sense through a synthetic uh, analog. So um, I think, you know, um, we're, we're going to see, I think, uh, more uh, enforcement. We're probably going to see more laws in each state. But like I was saying, uh, it's affecting CBD now. Like in Colorado, you can't have a package with more than, what, 1.5 milligrams of THC in it. That means you'd have like a, a three-pack of gummies. Or um, uh, Virginia, same way. You, you'd have to sell one gummy per package because they've limited the amount of hemp-derived THC, well, uh, 0.3 to the actual unit, where um, currently you could have 0.3% in each dose and have 60 doses in a bottle. You know, that's not going to happen anymore. And it really affects the tinctures. Some of these really high-quality... 20 to one, 10 to one tinctures that I, I think you're very familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, in the hemp space, they'll be illegal because that 30 milliliter or 60 milliliter tincture will have more than 0.3% THC in the entire bottle, even though each dose is much less. So um, it's affecting the packaging, it's affecting the sales. And now they're selling CD, CBD behind the counter in a locked box. How's that for business? <laughs> That's crazy. So, I mean, where where do you think what do you think the industry has to do to be, you know, more responsibly safe? You know, it's just really coming up. I think back to the health, back to the nutrients, back to the vitamins. What is this doing for your health? And and what's happened is, um, and and, and I'm getting this information from a, a lot of store managers from health food stores. I do a lot of in-store demos with our hemp juice and I talk to the wellness and, you know, vitamin managers at the store and they're like, man, what's up? What's wrong with you guys, man, your whole industry. And it's just not the D8. They're like, this should be the gummy industry, the hemp gummies. Everything is gummies, gummies, gummies. They're not health and wellness. They're loaded with sugars and pectins. And, you know, I mean, I could go on. I mean, it's not a health and wellness product. Sure. They taste great. Um, you got diabetes or you're, you're trying to cut your sugar back and, um, and gummies are good, man. They're addicting. I, I'd take two of them next thing you know, I'm popping six of them, you know, trying to go to sleep at night. And, uh, um, it's just, uh, you know, and they're loaded with gelatin or pectins. And so 
um, the store owners are telling me like these really aren't like health and wellness products because you know they like real clean and pure products not adulterated with sugars and pectins and 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 um you know gelatin and you know what gelatin is of course of course yeah so i mean yeah. where, where do we go from here chris i mean I, how do we first off we're talking about an industry that really won't talk to each other you know we don't have those kinds of conversations so we're going to wait until the fed comes in and regulates or are we going to try to do something to clean this up ourselves yeah, I think, and that's what we need to do. I mean, it's almost like going back to lobbying in D.C., but that's just, as you know, that's a long road to walk, man. And there's everybody in there, you know, the elbow room. It's, you know, I paid 20 grand to get into this room. I paid 50, my company, this and that. But, you know, it's it's what senators really, you know, people in Congress really, really care. But it's like, you know, logic is out the door these days, you know. It's, it's more this... Um, you know, uh, uh, polarized, you know, government that, um, you know, but, but it's, it's, it's obviously a lot of people want to come together for the cannabis, the banking act and stuff like that. But uh, while we see all of this ridiculousness here in lots of the countries outside of the United States that have now legalized either medical or some sort of cannabis, I, I, I maybe I'm wrong. You tell me, but I think somebody told me that is it Isle of Man or is it Spain where Delta Eight is illegal? I think it's it's happened in quite a few countries. Um, I have heard of that in Spain because Spain's a really big um, cannabis country, and uh, they have all the clubs there. And uh, you know, they're pretty Europeans are pretty conscious on you know health stuff, chemicals, environmental. You know, they're definitely more conscious, I think, at, at some level than uh, Americans and. But we're seeing in many states they're outlawing Delta Eight. They're just saying no, we don't want it. But the trade-off, not the trade-off, but the I don't know the correct word, the dichotomy of it is is that it can't they can't enforce it because if they did enforce it, the Ninth Court of Appeals has already said, well, technically it is legal, but um, you know um, it's a battle that is being fought. And like I said, states are really clamping down and especially here in California also they've outlawed it and but it's everywhere it's no one's enforcing it I go into a store and they have delta 8 everywhere and they got hemp derived THC and the guys like hey man this is my bread and butter you know it's not just these big companies that are the manufacturers and the distributors you've got thousands of head shops and pipe shops and gas stations like right now as we speak the champ show in Las Vegas is going on it's the largest i'd say alternative pipe store, gas station, you know, uh, retail store in the country. So all your Delta 8 people there, your Delta 9, your Kratom, everyone's in Vegas this week to sell their stuff to, you know, across America and across the country. And it's amazing if you see every company there. And it used to be glass pipes and bongs and, you know, rolling papers and, 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 oh, hemp stuff. I did it for years, but now it's, uh, they should call it the Delta 8 show. <laughs> wow. Well, then, uh, yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully just by educating and letting people know you if, if you're buying a THCA product it is buyer beware, correct? Buying a hemp derived called hemp derived THC nine Delta nine or Delta eight. It should say right on there how it's made. It's made with this acid. It's made with this acetone. 
and it should say how it's made. You know, it's like if you make something, you put olive oil in it, you put sugar in it, you know, where's your formula? Um, right. And so th there's no regulation to disclose how it's made. It's just, you know, people see THC and their brain is has been so, you know, uh, uh, programmed to go, oh, get high, THC, I'm going to buy that. And so, uh, like I said, I was in a couple stores and, you know, the you see on the box, it says CBD and now it says THC. And I never thought that I would see the day that you would see that in a regular store. But right. however, like I mentioned earlier, the, the, the pot shops and the cannabis dispensaries, they're furious. Right. They're like you guys, they're and yelling at me until I said, man, look at me. I'm just the messenger, man. Don't kill me. Right. And they should be. Yeah. Well, then tell me, tell me, let's, let's change topics for a second. But, but what's coming down the pike for Farm Tila and for you know, So, yes. So we're developing these genetics that we can grow all year round. Um, um, out here in California in certain geographical regions, mainly in the South. And we can produce these high, small, bushy CBD varieties that are very low in THC and high in CBDA. And then we have the CBGA, really high cannabigenerial plants. And we're producing these genetics, like I said, so we can harvest them and we can process in the field. We, we've developed some new juice machines. We've got a new high-tech uh, freeze-dry equipment, and we're trying to put it all together. But it's like, you know, what comes first, the cart or the horse? So we, we, we're building this cart, man, that's just like, it's it's the bomb. And then, um, and we're looking at going into the cannabis industry too, but maybe make some, you know, cannabis juice from a nice high variety. But uh, the cost to grow cannabis compared to hemp it would just make it, you know, triple the price. And speaking of price, uh, by Farm Tiva and Juice Tiva combining um, our whole processing and all of our equipment, we want to drop the price down to where it costs somebody a dollar a day to drink this. Right. And we're tar we're trying to target also the Jamba juices. We're trying to target um, uh, um, all the different Smoothie Kings, all these hemp. I mean, all these juice bars that already sell hemp seeds and hemp seed oil, hemp protein. Hey, you put some hemp uh, uh, juice powder in there. So we, we think it's going to be really massive in that sense that it could go not just, you know, in health food stores and, 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 and uh, juice bars, but also as an ingredient supply for other people want to put it in their, you know, in their capsules or they put it in their, um, you know, their mushroom mix, you name it. But, um, that's kind of where we're, our direction is, is to build this infrastructure out to make it more affordable and to make it a common product. And on top of that, we've done some sprouting. We've been working with a company to produce these really low temperature sprouts um, and that have really high, amazing enzymes and uh, trying to do that on a large scale and deal with the regulations of growing hemp because if you sprout you have to doesn't matter you you have to get it tested all the time so the testing could really make it um expensive so we might have to change some of the laws there and uh we've done some leafy greens we've had a few of the big companies produce uh some salads and again it's the right variety so the leaf is softer. It doesn't taste like a cat's tail. It's juicier. There's a couple things we can do to it to make it more palatable and things of that nature. So we're really going to the food and the nutrition. And, and also, 
the cannabinoids, but more nutrient cannabinoid focused rather than medicinal. Right. Well, I think you're gonna you'll 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 definitely be a leader in that uh, vein uh, in the industry when you do this. Well, yeah. Well, we're we're, we're trying. It's 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 definitely. Uh, <laughs> Every day we're in a battle with uh, when we try to sell our hemp juice. You know, it, it's like we're competing against hemp THC, hemp D8, and um, and hemp gummies. And right. so now my new joke is when I talk to health food stores, I said, "Oh, by the way, I'm really I'll have to apologize that we don't make any uh, we don't make any gummies." Right. And they kind of roll their eyes back, and then they get it. They're like, "Yes, please, right. no gummies." No, for sure. Well, my friend, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. And thanks for to school and everybody. I think people need to understand and get, you know, get involved. I mean, I, this is one of these things where I, I really would hope that the industry would just stop, do a reset and say, let's get this right so that it doesn't shut it down for everybody. Exactly. And I think that's what we need to do. Um, I, I didn't mention I'm also a director on the Hemp Farmers Guild. And we're a, a farming group, a nonprofit that we support and promote hemp farmers. And I think that's kind of where um, we need to, like these associations now um, don't have as much, I'd say, influence in politics as we used to because you need money to go to Sacramento. You need money to go to D.C. But too many people in the industry is taking that money by make sure they got their third Mercedes and their fourth boat. Stop that <laughs> stupid and start going back to doing what's going to help, help you actually make those boats or make the money for a boat two years from now, start lobbying again. Because that's really where I think yeah. we touch. Exactly. I mean, that's what we need to do is start lobbying from the grassroots, from the farmer's perspective, from the people that are on the farm growing it, not, not these giant corporations. Okay, we have to protect their publicly traded stocks. And, you know, I get that. But at the end of the day, it's a trickle down. We call it trickle up. We want it to trickle up from the farmer, you know, and he has the advantage or she has the advantage or whomever is growing it, whether they're veterans, whether they're family farmers, whether they're minorities, whether they're, you know, even a corporation. So these are the roots, I think, the foundation of our, of our country or our state and of our industry is the farmer. Right. And once we lose the farmer, we, we lose the whole basis of the economy, I think. And so I, I really uh, support that. And like I said, uh, Hemp Farmers Guild, you can go to the CaliforniaHempFarmersGuild.org and see what we're all about, too, and um, help us promote, um, you know, hemp farming. Absolutely. And one more time, give them the, give them the stats on the other two uh, websites. So, uh, uh, JuiceTiva.com, uh, J-U-I-C-E-T-I-V-A, JuiceTiva.com. There Go there go. and put Montel. Put in Montel, and we'll give you a 35% discount right off the top, free shipping. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, I'm a proud, I'm very proud to let you go ahead and do that for me, sir. I appreciate that. Especially awesome, man. Awesome. We'll keep talking about it, okay? And Thank I definitely you, want to have you back so we can keep these conversations going, okay? Yes, I'm ready. All right, my friend. You stay well. Love the family of yours. Take care of yourself. And you keep tuning in to Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.